Al Jazeera podcast. I'm Nick Clark, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Israel's bombardment of Gaza is now into its second month. More than 10,000 Palestinians have been killed. As public anger grows around the world over what some are calling a genocide, Israel is facing a diplomatic backlash. South Africa and Bolivia have severed relations with Tel Aviv. Other countries are recalling their ambassadors and embassy staff. This is seriously setting back Israel's efforts in recent years to establish relations with many nations that boycotted it for decades. So can these diplomatic moves pressure the United States and Israel's other Western allies to push it to at least agree to a humanitarian ceasefire? Uh, so let's bring in our guest today. We are stacked with diplomatic and political expertise in Islamabad. Uh, we have Maliha Lodhi, who's a former Pakistani ambassador to the United Kingdom, to the United States and to the United Nations. In Amman, Jawad Anani, who's a former deputy prime minister and foreign minister in Jordan. And in Pretoria, Akali Boha Mapunye, a professor of African politics at the University of South Africa. A warm welcome to each of you. Uh, Jawad Anani, I'd like to start with you. Let's cut to the chase. As a former foreign minister, you know well, very well, the machinations of diplomacy. So before we get to the nitty-gritty of Jordan's position, generally, how serious do you think the, all these diplomatic withdrawals are for Israel? Should Israel, will Israel heed them as a warning? Uh, will it make any difference as to how they proceed, do you think? Well, I'm sure they are a little bit concerned about them, but probably they will not dissuade this current government from continuing with the same uh, with the same uh, genocide that it is now practicing. Uh, so far, we just heard from Netanyahu that he is going to take care of the security in Gaza for an indefinite period of time. This is uh, just a polite word, uh, not polite, but uh, another word for for occupation. And so therefore, instead of uh, allowing the Palestinians mm -hmm. the freedom to have their own state, he is now controlling more, more, more uh, restoring the occupation to Gaza, which uh, the Israelis relinquished under uh, uh, ex-Prime Minister Sharon. So in a way, uh, this is not going anywhere so far. And there is not uh, and the demands and the, and the United States, and judging from the statements which have been made by Mr. Blinken, uh, State, uh, Secretary of State, uh, are not encouraging at all. Uh, we okay. hear, of course, some changes, some tones uh, in Europe, but uh, that is not echoing yet uh, and not resonating with the Israeli government. Okay, uh, Maliha Lodi, your former Pakistani ambassador to the UK and the United States and to the UN. Again, you know very well how this all works. But do you sense a, a growing sense of discord in the global community? Do you think we will see more ties being cut? I think what we are witnessing right now is that the tide of global opinion has moved decisively against Israel and in solidarity with the Palestinians. I think there are several indicators of this. Uh, one, I, we know that a majority uh, of countries, in fact, almost two thirds, voted for a ceasefire in the UN General Assembly. Uh, so you can see that uh, the US and Israel who opposed the resolution, um, you know, they were defeated. 
Second, uh, as you mentioned, more and more countries are severing uh, their ties with Israel or recalling their ambassadors. Three, I think uh, another indicator is that the pro-Palestinian protests across the world are just growing in intensity and there, there is a momentum uh, to them, which is really quite unprecedented. And the fourth indicator, I would say, of uh, this change in the tide of uh, global opinion is that we have seen very strong statements from the 18 heads of UN agencies and NGOs that have called uh, for a ceasefire and have expressed shock and horror at what Israel is doing. So we are looking at uh, a changing dynamic here. Uh, all of this pressure, I think, is necessary, but still not sufficient to dissuade the United States from its blind support of Israel. Right, so Meliha, I was just about to come to that because it's all very well talking <laughs> about this change in dynamic and the, this tide of global opinion. But while Israel has the US support, Meliha, it doesn't make any difference. It can just proceed as it wishes. Well, it seems that the only country that Israel will respond to is the United States. But I think the fact that Secretary Blinken has been shuttling between various Middle Eastern countries shows that there is increasing worry uh, in the Biden administration. Also, I think if you look at what's happening at the UN Security Council, after three failed attempts to get a resolution through, which would be binding, uh, there is a fourth attempt as I speak. Now, whether the deadlock in the Security Council can be broken or not, we have to wait and see. So far, the gridlock is there, uh, but the US is coming under increasing pressure. And as I said before, uh, this pressure, diplomatic pressure is necessary, but still not sufficient. All right, we'll explore the, the uh, situation at the UN and the UN Security Council in particular shortly. But uh, let's get the view from South Africa now, from Pretoria, uh, Kali Bukha. Uh, South Africa, of course, a big, big international player, and such a decision will not have come likely uh, to uh, withdraw the ambassador. Tell us about the considerations that the uh, top brass in South Africa would have been uh, taking into account as they made this decision. Mm -hmm. There are quite a number of aspects or factors that led to South Africa's view of withdrawing. Uh, firstly, it is the question of increasing public protests, which we have seen recently, ever since the uh, uh, attacks on Israel by, by Hamas, and of course the, uh, uh, the uh, subsequent um, attacks by the Israeli military on Gaza and civilians and so on. So that is the main thing that, in my view, has uh, led us to this decision whereby South Africa eventually felt that they need to pull out. But we mustn't forget that South Africa, during the apartheid era, many freedom fighters from the African National Congress, from the Pan-Africanist Congress and other liberation movements were supported by the Palestinians. And to that extent, South Africa feels a very, very strong sense of solidarity with the Palestinians, especially black South Africans. We are not discounting the fact that there is also a sizable Jewish population here. We should obviously, you know, aside with, with, with Israel. And the most important thing is that in the diplomatic sphere, 
uh, withdrawing an ambassador or even cutting diplomatic ties sends a very, very serious message, a strong message. And I think this is what the South Africans are doing. Also, not just for South Africa, but in line with many African countries, because the African Union has also taken a similar strong position with the statement that they released recently condemning Israel's attacks on Gaza. Do you, do you think that other African nations will follow suit now? Uh, do I think South African, uh, the African nations are what? Sorry, can you repeat? Do you think other African nations will follow suit now? Absolutely. I think other African nations will follow suit. Uh, currently, uh, it must be said, it would appear that the Africans are divided. African countries are divided. What with countries like uh, Zambia, countries like Kenya, like Ghana, uh, and Congo Republic, seemingly supporting Israel. But we must not forget that uh, a divisive war such as this one is quite likely also to invoke what I, I would call real politics. In other words, those countries looking at uh, their own economic and security interests, because Israel has been supporting them in one way or the other in terms of, you know, dealing with drought relief and so on. So quite likely, we are quite likely to see those states apparently, you know, siding with Israel. But the majority, in my view, and the moral viewpoint, seems to rest with the Palestinians because, uh, as the Security uh, Secretary General uh, Gutierrez said, this issue is about occupation. And in my view, I also want to stress that we must not forget that we keep talking about the attack of Israel on Gaza or the attacks of Hamas on, on Israel. We forget that actually this is the issue around the rise of Palestinians to self-determination, which seems to be falling off the radar or of the international global agenda uh, repeatedly. Uh, Jawad, so Jordan has acted decisively, but few other Arab nations have been quite so bold. Uh, and it seems that many people on the street are calling for them to do so. Do you think there may yet be more support and, and decisive action and, well, and severing of ties from, from well, the think, Arab world? Hmm. Well, thank you. I believe that they should. Uh, this is the time that they should, because there is no way uh, for the Arab masses, which are really protesting and expecting more from their leaders, to accept the current status uh, status as as is, uh, seeing uh, the bloodshed and the devastation and the mayhem, which Israel is uh, inflicting on the people of Gaza, uh, and also in the West Bank, and if uh, they let this uh, continue in Gaza, then it will probably be transferred to the West Bank as well, and we will see a continuation of this ugliness. Uh, I think what we need to see from the Arab leaders who are going to meet on uh, for a summit meeting on the, uh, on the 11th of this month, uh, very soon, five days from now, they should really make a decision that they should all take a unanimous uh, decision to withdraw their ambassadors, whoever have ambassadors. But that, that's pretty unlikely, isn't it? Them. That's pretty unlikely given uh, past performance. Uh, well, this is what, what the people expect. Now, whether these people are going to respond to that or not, uh, let's wait and see. Uh, Maliha, what about in Pakistan? There's been a lot of protests there too, as we've been showing on Al Jazeera, but again, not matched by government action. Yes, I think uh, the public in Pakistan expected a stronger response from the government. But I think the protest demonstrations show uh, that the people's sentiment in solidarity with the Palestinians remains strong. And I think now the focus is 
on the meeting or the summit meeting that has been called where Pakistan will also be present uh, in Riyadh of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. Now, this is the largest Muslim bloc. So we have to wait and see whether any actions emanate uh, from this uh, conference or whether we are just going to hear uh, a lot of uh, condemnations and denunciations. So this is going to be a key, key summit. Uh, I'm a little surprised that it took a month for, for this to be convened. But then, as they say, better late than ever. Now, these are obviously all ways in which diplomatic pressure is being mounted primarily on the United States so that it begins to see uh, that its policy, its dysfunctional policy in the Middle East is going to bring much more grief uh, to the region uh, as well as to its own policies uh, in the region. Because I think today the United States and many European countries uh, confront uh, a crisis uh, of uh, credibility. Uh, as the Secretary General said, this is uh, a crisis about humanity. And I think on that score, uh, we've seen that the United States and many European countries have come up short. They have not shown the kind of compassion uh, for the killings that are going on uh, in Gaza that they really should have and that their own publics also expect them to do. Kali uh, uh, is this all this diplomatic pressure? And if it does build, if, if more nations sever ties, do you think it will yield anything? Are we going to see at least a chance for a humanitarian pause, at least? Nick, if I was speaking as a diplomat, I would say probably this would uh, you know, um, affect the situation positively and bring about some changes here and there. But as I speak, as a student and scholar of politics or political science, I get very, very dejected or disappointed, knowing that uh, this is almost like a tired you know, musical record. We have been here before, whereby attacks of this nature, violence of this nature erupts, and the international community cries foul, and they try to do some ceasefire here and there, and you know, with people go to Oslo, and then after the, 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 the um, signing of the pact or the agreement, they, it is flouted, and they, it is torn to shreds, and we are back again to here. So I'm a bit uh, um, uh, um, uh, pessimistic, about what this will bring about. However, like I said in my, my earlier uh, comments, this, in my view, will uh, bring to bear sufficient or effective uh, pressure, diplomatic pressure, as it were, on the Israeli government, as well as obviously bring about to bear pressure on those uh, you know, governments or countries that might be feeling that they want to sit on the fence or at least to support Israel. Because once there's a lot of noise that is happening at the United Nations Security Council, UN Security General Assembly and other international platforms, when you bring in the, the European Union and all the other countries, in my view, we will probably quite likely see you know, a shift. But a shift to what's the solution? I am not so sure because there are other factors to consider once we talk, talk, start talking about this more than one century, you know, old conflict between Israel and Palestine. Uh, Jawad, in your experience as a, a top-level politician, uh, you've acted as Foreign Secretary roaming the world and, and indeed you know the region, of course, very, very well. Uh, how does this crisis rank in terms of uh, global concern about how the war is being executed and where all this could lead? Well, there is, uh, as uh, your other, inter uh, other uh, two honourable uh, interlocutors have said, 
that there is a growing concern, and you have pointed this out, uh, over, over the world. Eventually, somebody must heed that. The United States, of course, I agree, is the key, uh, is the key uh, factor in this equation. And I believe that they should exercise uh, some power. However, we know that uh, President Biden is facing probably tough uphill elections uh, next November. Uh, and at the same time, he is uh, looking uh, to the probably the interest of the United States that are being tied to Israel. And uh, so in a way, uh, he is hesitant and he's uh, not taking any, any action. Uh, the structure of his cabinet anyway and his uh, aides who come to this area probably is very much biased and pro-Israeli. Uh, so I really uh, think that uh, the internal uh, pressure within the United States can uh, really impact that if he is, feels that probably he could lose some of the states, key, key states, uh, or what we call what we might call swing states, if they if those turn against them, especially where there are Arab and Muslim majorities, uh, Muslim uh, solid minorities, then uh, probably he would uh, and uh, and those could tip the balance against him in especially in some midwestern states of the United States, uh, and uh, then he probably would not stand the chance of winning next mm -hmm. November elections. So in a way, he must be reminded and he must be pressed upon in order to recalculate uh, his mathematical, his political mathematics uh, and political numbers, and at the same time, uh, uh, take the right action that we expect a member of the United Nations who has been uh, uh, the primary intermediary in the peace process to take a more uh, just and equitable approach to this problem, especially that we see what we see every day on television. And we have to start also invoking the word genocide, and not only genocide, but the word, uh, you know, this is in an apartheid state. And uh, 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 my friend from uh, South Africa uh, have gone through that experience. There is a deep sense among many uh, Africaners that uh, you know what happened to them is happening to the Palestinians, and there is a deep empathy here. And so, therefore, nobody can question the right of the Palestinians to protest and to react to the inflicting pain that is that is um, um, that doesn't seem to stop. Uh, right. Whether we are in fighting or whether they are resisting or whether they are accepting the the modest, uh, the, 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 the the facto situation which Israel is dictating on their lives. Okay. So uh, well, you've, you've uh, all you've all expressed dismay at the the failure of the UN Security Council. Yeah. Malia, you have written about it indeed. Uh, China currently has a rotating chair of the UN Security Council. Uh, is that going to make any difference in these coming critical days? Well, I think China will push very hard uh, for the kind of resolution that the Russians had proposed, mm -hmm. which, as you know, uh, was vetoed uh, by the United States, which is uh, a resolution calling for a ceasefire. Now, as I understand it, the E10 or the 10 elected non-permanent members of the Security Council have put a draft together, but that doesn't call for a ceasefire, not as yet. It calls only for a humanitarian pause. So we're likely to see a great deal of intense negotiation in the days ahead, because there is still no agreement between the Chinese, the Arab countries, and the Russians who all want a ceasefire. 
and the United States and its allies, some of whom are non-permanent members also, who still are talking about uh, a short duration uh, pause, which uh, is neither here nor there, because anything temporary is not going to stop the fighting. It's not going to stop the bloodshed. So I think the push uh, for a Security Council resolution from China, uh, we will see. But whether that's enough for the United States to relent uh, on its position, um, it, it's hard to it's hard to tell right now. Uh, Kali Boha, why is the United States so resolute in its support of Israel? Do you think? I think partly because the sizable majority of the Jewish population, obviously after the Holocaust, uh, in Germany and other places, fled to the United States and eventually ended up. Um, exercising significant influence in terms of uh, you know foreign policy maybe foreign and domestic policy in the US and to that extent out you know attribute this to that uh, kind of uh, influence however having said that we must also know that uh, you know states uh, are want, uh, known to sign diplomatic and bilateral you know pacts that uh, will obviously ensure that one state or one country, one nation supports the other, even when they are facing uh, what the other state might not feel you know, as justifiable to, to fight, a war that uh, you know, they might think is not winnable. So uh, I agree with some of the panelists that uh, in this uh, regard, the U.S. also is a very, very key player uh, in a sense that um, it, it seems to have a better side of the ear of Israel, uh, if one wants, wants to use that, that phrase. But uh, it will also depend on whether the Israeli regime is willing to listen, because we know uh, in our case, in the South African situation during the apartheid era, when many Western countries were supporting apartheid, uh, we had a similar situation whereby the powerful countries were uh, listening to the minority apartheid government and, of course, uh, you know, discounting the majority voices of the African countries and other people in, in the African diaspora and globally. So to that extent, I believe that uh, as the phrase has been mentioned, apartheid Israel, it would be very, very important for the usual, the, 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 the U.S. And, and its allies and other forces, of, of course, to look at what Israel is doing in terms of, uh, you know, the uh, uh, um, uh, international human rights law and uh, what others call genocide, to find out whether it is actually justifiable to go to this extent. I know Israel is talking about retaliating and, uh, you know, uh, uh, taking Israel to defend itself, but also we cannot have a humanitarian disaster uh, happening in this time and, and era of this century, forgetting that this happened during the times of Hiroshima and Nagasaki during the, okay. the Second World War. Uh, Jawad, I just want to uh, wind up the programme with you. We've been talking a lot about the, the countless more than 10,000 deaths uh, that we've seen in Gaza, but we haven't spoken of the, the fear of contagion of this, uh, this war spreading throughout the region. Uh, that is, of course, a very important consideration, isn't it? Yeah, I believe that, uh, yes, sir, I believe that uh, uh, the longer this war stays, uh, the more it will spread uh, to other regions and other. You cannot escape that fact. Uh, international countries will be impacted by that. The world economy is going to be impacted by that. And then some superpower countries will start looking for opportunities to see how they can benefit from the situation. Uh, this is not a very 
nice world all the time. And uh, war, if it continues, of course it will spread. And it will involve many other uh, uh, countries. And the mayhem that would, uh, would result uh, would probably be uncontrollable. You can start a war, but you cannot probably finish it. Uh, so therefore, we have to uh, really try to contain the war, reach a ceasefire immediately. Uh, all this baloney about, uh, you know, human uh, human corridor uh, is just uh, another way of saying that kill them softly. Uh, and uh, we need to have a ceasefire where Gazans can have uh, access to their basic needs uh, and uh, start uh, rebuilding their own town. Uh, otherwise, uh, the whole region is going to be uh, on fire. All right, with that, we'll leave it. Uh, thank you to all our guests, uh, Maliha Lotti, to Jawad Anani, and Kali Boha Mapunye. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, this episode was produced by Shantanu Chatterjee, Sarah Gill, Fungi Nguyen, Leon Helmy, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Alexander Shigreen. The program was edited by Saran Morali, Zena Badr, and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening and tune in on Wednesday for our next edition. This week on The Take, there is a growing anger in the U.S. at the Biden administration over its unwavering support for Israel. How likely is U.S. policy to change and what will it mean for Biden if it doesn't? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.